Chapter One of On the Exercises of Piety. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. On the Exercises of Piety by Jean Joubert. Chapter One Mental Prayer in a preceding volume we have endeavoured to give a just notion of piety and to gain for it the esteem of those who know the value of life and are determined to make it fruitful if it be true as we have shown that piety has nothing paltry about it and that it is not a vain pursuit a routine of sterile and depressing practices but that it is an activity of a higher order which takes hold of a man by what is deepest in him to lead him to the loftiest regions of the ideal and of happiness is it not right for us to desire the pure life of piety and is it not fitting that we should henceforth learn the holy rules that direct its impulses but the life of piety is nothing else than the life of prayer in its essence it is prayer itself it is surely not isolated from moral life since its end is to make us better and since it would be vain from the moment it ceased to tend to do this nevertheless in order not to confuse it with the fruits that it produces it must be said to reside in prayer when the apostle said to jesus christ lord teach us to pray luke chapter eleven verse one it was because they wished to enter into the way of piety prayer is a soul's effort towards god when she feels her dependence and distress under the impression of her dependence she goes to her creator and lord to offer him her adoration and to implore his help and under the impression of her distress she goes to her deliverer to obtain consolation and comfort she adores she gives thanks she implores and she touches the heart of her god in this ascent towards god the soul expresses her feelings by gestures and words and then we have vocal prayer and sometimes she concentrates her activity within herself the mouth is closed but the heart is open the tongue says no word but the heart speaks speech is not used but holy affections and then we have mental prayer to speak the truth there is no prayer that is not mental because there is none that is not in the soul itself and which does not express the feelings of the soul there are several different states to be distinguished in the relations between mental prayer and vocal prayer in simple and uneducated souls the interior feelings remain confused while the mouth utters words prayer exists in the soul it may be even ardent prayer but it is not definite in those who are better educated the forms of prayer awaken feelings that are clearer and the mind and heart say all that the words express but as soon as the words cease silence occurs in souls which are incapable of acting inwardly others have their interior activity better developed 
words are required to evoke it but as soon as the flame is alight in the heart the fire maintains itself the soul is truly capable of prayer of a mental nature lastly there are others who acquire by practice such a power of interior life that they are in activity and contemplate and pray without the need of words the sound of forms of prayer rather disturbs than helps them let us add that souls who are the best trained in prayer experience according to their dispositions these different states one after the other so greatly does our capacity differ so far as recollection and union with god are concerned among the exercises of the life of piety some are devoted to interior prayer others are reserved to the recitation of forms of words we shall deal with both we shall begin with the exercises of mental prayer both because they give the impulses of piety in their highest form and because the kind of activity which they cultivate must be the very soul of vocal prayer section one the importance of mental prayer not only those who are pious but all christians should create in themselves the habit of interior prayer for the reasons that make prayer a necessity require us to cause it to spring from the depths of the soul prayer is necessary because it alone procures for us the good things which are needed by our moral life the requirements of our moral life may be summed up in three words to set us free from the world to raise us to god and to participate in the life of god the world indeed keeps us inwoven in a thousand ties vanities pleasures and riches entice us and hold us captive our sensualism and our pride enchain us inwardly and bound in this way we cannot take our upward flight towards god our first aspiration then will be to conquer liberty of soul once free the heart of the christian must not remain inert in a kind of lethargy but in order to ascend towards god it must have an interior energy to set it in motion and to sustain its progress and as it is unable of itself either to become detached or to rise it calls for the assistance of him towards whom it tends and god communicates to it by his grace his own life in order that his grace may set it at liberty and carry it along before becoming its eternal happiness but these are just the gifts obtained by prayer it obtains them because it is a humble petition as well as a generous effort god who resists the proud condescends to the humble he allows the prayer of those who humble themselves to touch his heart to those who hunger for justice and holiness he gives himself as food and he does not despise the supplication of the contrite heart thus grace descends in abundance in answer to prayer in man it will not do everything for it is no part of the providential plan to annihilate man's activity god intends man to fulfil his part and that salvation shall be his own work as well 
but without grace man could do nothing and could not even utter a word of prayer in this way grace is poured into the christian's heart like a store of mighty energies it is for him to make use of them by converting them into work this is what the christian does in the very act of praying for this act involves more than a petition it is already an effort as well consider indeed the interior impulse of a soul in prayer the desire itself is an inner prompting an ascent towards god a bringing of all the faculties into harmony with the will of god have you not felt that prayer itself is an unfathomable work and that it transforms you in proportion to the way in which it expresses itself and that you come from it quite other than you were when you began it what a horror you conceive of sin how you thrust the occasions of sin far from you with what energy do you burst your chains and what liberty you secure for yourself what love of god kindles within you how splendid appears the ideal of holiness to you and how obedient are all your powers in being directed towards the end of your aspirations are you not then under the sway of grace collaborating with god with your whole soul and do you not see that the new man who will be manifested outwardly will be merely the revelation of the silent transformation that prayer has slowly wrought within if such is prayer if such are the results it ought to bring about who can fail to see that it is a form of action but of an action that takes place entirely within hence it is by nature something inward or mental what would be the use of forms uttered by the lips if at any rate implicitly the petitions had no inward expression and if the heart did not cooperate hence progress in prayer does not consist in the frequent repetition of forms but in the duration and intensity of the interior labour the longer and the more completely you submit yourself in the secret sanctuary of the soul to divine action the more you will feel the efficacy of your prayer the value of mental or silent prayer depends upon two things the first is this that when the lips are silent the activity becomes more intense within the soul because the attention is undivided here we are not speaking of those whose attention is only sustained by speech but of persons of habitual inward prayer who have grown accustomed to interior action and to listening to god in the voice of conscience the second is this that prayer which is mental becomes more individual and thereby more active as long as we use vocal prayers we are the slaves of forms of prayer and our feelings inevitably follow the path laid down by the writer of the words and thus we undergo a certain amount of restraint mental prayer restores our liberty our heart gains its own initiative thereby they are its own thoughts and feelings that it expresses it really prays sometimes the heart passes owing to its manifold needs 
through the most diversified feelings sometimes it stops at a point which touches it in an especial manner and allows some more salutary impression to penetrate it it waits in god's hand and lets itself be moulded by him in all tranquillity it is impossible to tell all the profit that comes to a soul from these free and intimate confidences with god let us say in conclusion that mental prayer is necessary and to what extent it is difficult to speak definitely but those who are pious are not accustomed to make such calculations they give themselves to mental prayer in proportion to the time at their disposal and to the attraction that they feel section two different forms of mental prayer the day of a person of piety whether in the world or living in community involves several exercises in which mental prayer dominates the first which takes place at the earliest hour and before any work begins is called the mental prayer of meditation it is with this inward prayer that every morning of the life of piety commences contemplative prayer is less a definite exercise than the starting of the religious life which should animate all our actions throughout the day usually it follows immediately after the morning prayer and it is a good thing to keep to it for the proverb reminds us that a prayer deferred is a prayer omitted as to its duration that will depend upon circumstances it is fixed for those who live in community those who are at liberty settle it in accord with their spiritual director and according to the duties of their state of life be the time long or short the important thing is to be faithful to it in spite of the temptations of laziness or distaste holy mass enters into the life of piety as an essential element it is not an exercise it is the central act of religion the act towards which converge all the exercises of the day for the priest the mass is filled up with all the liturgical prayers to him it is not a subject for contemplation but an action the act of sacrifice the faithful are more at liberty sometimes they will recite the prayers of the missal along with the priest a practice which is much to be recommended and most useful for the renewal of piety sometimes they follow the prayers and acts of sacrifice inwardly uniting themselves with the intentions of the august victim offering themselves to god as a holocaust attendance at mass then becomes a mental prayer and carries out the deep work of contemplative prayer the thanksgiving after communion is again an interior prayer for if it is permissible to repeat some vocal prayers at such a time if the priest who is concelebrant is bound to say the benedicite the great part of the time should be taken up with colloquies with the divine master the corporal presence of our lord by reviving faith makes interior activity easier in these happy moments a fervent soul receives from the master's heart light and strength for the rest of the day nevertheless 
pious souls if they have the time to spare like to return to the feet of our lord and to visit the blessed sacrament for at least a quarter of an hour they come to it for mental prayer in the evening reading may find room here and also vocal prayers but in this evening recollection the hour is peculiarly fitted for intercourse with the divine occupant of the tabernacle the visit to the blessed sacrament is then a manner of mental prayer further this interior prayer should be uninterrupted it begins in the morning and it is followed up all day this vital prayer as it was called by st francis of sales consists in the continuous union of the soul with god through all our occupations it shows us god in those who converse with us and it makes us carry god with us wherever we go in circumstances or in men it is he whom we meet and he it is whom we express by this sweet and continual thought of god our days pass in a warm atmosphere of mental prayer ejaculatory prayers or cries of the heart revive it from time to time but it never dies section three a general method for mental prayer at whatever time of the day we pray and however short our prayer has to be some method is necessary either to stir us to pious feelings or else to express them profitably the method we propose has the merit of being simple and easy to remember and of containing the substance of such as are best known the preliminary of all prayer consists in putting ourselves in the presence of god and of being penetrated with the feeling that he is there before us surrounding us with his immensity living at the bottom of our consciences and that he admits us sinners as we are to converse with him because he loves us more fervently than he hates our defilements we adore him we beseech his pardon and we implore his help in order to pray coming then to the subject matter of our prayer we begin to bear upon it our eyes our hearts and our hands our eyes to consider it our hearts to get the grace of it and our hands to carry it out in practice let our eyes first dwell long on the types in which we find a living illustration of the subject of our meditation on god on jesus christ on the saints above all let us fasten our attention on our saviour he is the master all of whose lessons we shall never learn let us fill all our faculties our senses our mind and our will with him his thoughts and words let us spend a long time in his presence until we are permeated with his rays as to each matter let us ask what has he thought about it what has he said of it while our eyes are thus fastened on jesus christ the heart is not slow to come into play two feelings then stir it desire and confusion the heart desires to resemble the divine model which it has been contemplating 
it desires it all the more ardently because meditation provides it with several grave reasons for wishing for this resemblance it is in confusion at the state in which it sees itself so far from being what it ought to be called to be so great and so holy it blushes to find itself so mean and so sinful and then from this heart immediately springs prayer sometimes urgent and passionate sometimes calm and sweetly abandoning itself to god for if there are times in which the heart sends cries of distress up to god and speaks to him in the accents of burning love there are also times in which it says to him trustfully lord i am thy humble creature i place myself in thy hands mould me as thou wouldst in all i cast myself upon thee when the heart has prayed when it has undergone the fructifying influence of grace when it has drawn strength from the divine fountain the hands in turn are offered to fulfil the will of god it is not being virtuous to have in one's heart and mind the picture and feeling of holiness the hands must be brought to action this is why prayer ends in definite resolutions this o god is what i will do to-day to please thee but resolutions are only a good intention it is practice that gives them their value and merit prayer is thus followed up throughout the occupations of each day and is only completed by being faithful to the resolutions made in the morning when our prayer is over we thank god for his help we entrust to the blessed virgin the graces we have received and we keep some word in our memory as the impression left on our soul by our meditation section four conditions of success for mental prayer mental prayer presupposes much liberty and activity in those who practice it liberty is acquired by mortification and activity is maintained by struggles against idleness or distaste a soul can only pray on condition that she remains within herself and dwells there in silence and solitude if she goes astray and becomes externally distracted by allowing herself to be dissipated she will find neither god nor her own heart if she allows the tumult of the world or sensualism to penetrate her she will hear neither the word of god nor the voice of her own needs it appertains to mortification to make the soul master of herself to tear her away from the enticements of the world by the restraint of the senses and by the love of solitude and to withdraw her from the exigencies of sensualism by the application of the mind to serious thoughts thus set at liberty the soul will easily yield to the tendency which inclines her towards god and habitual recollection will make mental prayer easy but this liberty will only be of advantage to her on condition that its activity is won and sustained won by faithful preparation and sustained against various causes of discouragement to make no preparation for prayer is to abandon one's soul to impressions which may spring up capriciously 
either within or from without the object of preparation is to set in the soul a definite object on which all the faculties will engage around which thoughts and feelings will gather it is to do disrespect to god if we come into his presence without taking forethought as to the subject to be dealt with in our converse with him and it is reducing our piety to a sterile formalism to fulfil in this empty manner its principal exercises the preparation is made the night before for the morning prayer and it may be brought to bear upon all the mental prayers of the day for we multiply the fruits of our prayers when we devote a whole day to pursuing one end this preparation consists in the choice of a subject then in reading a few lines or pages about it and lastly in a rapid survey of the three following questions what are the feelings of our lord as to this virtue how am i to obtain his grace for it what am i to do to make this virtue enter into my life when the hour of prayer comes the mind is no longer left to chance from the outset the soul pursues a well-marked path and can make progress in it we must however resist temptations to idleness and distaste we shall use the help of books of vocal prayers until we have got control of our minds and kindled our hearts the beginning of prayer like the beginning of all work cannot be made without effort we shall be persuaded that the hours given to prayer are the most fruitful times of the day and if we are busy far from neglecting the duties of our state of life on account of prayer we shall find it helps us to fulfil them all the better we shall keep these blessed hours sacred and inviolable and even if we feel that we are making no progress because we experience no relish for them we shall nevertheless continue faithful in mounting guard daily at god's gate and in saying to him i am here end of chapter one